From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. While we recently profiled the epic back-to-back run by the basketball squad, today we begin a new mini-series that highlights the other championship that was sandwiched in between those dual crowning achievements. This is Trail to Glendale, Episode 1, Urban Renewal. The early 2000s were a time of great upheaval and uncertainty for Florida's storied football program as Steve Spurrier had set the bar so high that when he left after the 2001 season, it was nearly impossible for anyone to come in and match the expectations of not only winning, but winning in style. While Ron Zook recruited extremely well during his three-year tenure, the results in the field simply didn't materialize, which led to another coaching change prior to the 2005 season and the arrival of Urban Meyer. These transitions are hard for everyone in and around a program, maybe most so for the players, who find themselves under the leadership of someone they didn't choose. For rising junior quarterback Chris Leak, arguably Zook's highest profile recruit and the entrenched starter at quarterback, acceptance didn't happen instantly. Oh, it was very, very, very difficult because you, you come in, you come in with a plan from your freshman year for two years and you just you don't win enough games. And, and those type things can happen when you play on uh, the, in the SEC in the best conference in college football. You know, those type of things, coaching changes, coordinator changes, those type things happen. And but I think one of the best things that my dad taught me was my ability to adapt, improvise and overcome situations. And. And, but it was tough because you have to start all over from scratch. You know, you have to build new relationships that you started, you know, you, you had relationships that you built for two to three years. And um, now you have these new relationships that you have to build and you have to build them fast because the time there's a time we're still on all these things. And coaches now can spend a little bit more time with their players to getting, you know, getting to know them more than they did back then. Uh, the main guy that you got to know during that process was your strength and conditioning coach, which uh, Mickey Mirati, who was with Urban during his time at Florida and Ohio State and had, had some time with Notre Dame as well with them. They, they had a great relationship, and I, I was lucky enough to have a, to build a great relationship with him throughout that process. But it was, it, it was a, it's a completely different mindset from coach to coach uh, as far as their philosophies and how they want to build the team. And so you have to, as a, as a team, not just as a not just as an individual, but as a team, you have to kind of make that adjustment. And it was difficult for a lot of guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, I tell everybody my love for being a Florida Gator has really helped me overcome a lot, a lot of adversity uh, during my last two years. And that really um, and, the, and the promise that I, I made back when I was a senior at the All-American game was to help Florida get back to win a national title. That was that was my main goal. And bottom line is I love being a Florida Gator. And Coach Zook is the, is the one. Coach Zook and one of my great teammates, Rand Carthon, my running back at the time, he they really taught me about what it meant to be a Gator. And I'll, I'll always be a very uh, thankful for that. Greg Madison was one of the new coaches that came aboard with Urban, having connected previously when both were at Notre Dame. Madison was named co-defensive coordinator alongside Charlie Strong. And just as Leek noted, the first relationship the players formed being with their strength coach, 
Madison recalls how he set the overall tone for the new direction of the program. Well, I, I think one of the very first things was uh, Mickey Marotti, the strength coach, who is the best in the business, set the tempo on what Urban wanted. And that was, I mean, the type of toughness, the type of, of uh, discipline, the type of uh, effort that was expected. And it happened starting in the off season. And, you know, I remember, uh, and I won't bring up names, but I remember a young man that was in my meeting room that I found out did not tell the truth about his weight to Mickey and therefore, you know, was going to have to pay the consequences. Well, therefore he ended up leaving. And it was that type of discipline that was needed. And it was that type of discipline that the players really wanted. Because believe me, they were great young men that were there. They just needed somebody to make sure they needed a staff that believed in them and wanted to push them, but were consistent. And that's what Urban and Mickey and our staff tried to do. Getting the existing players to buy in is always challenging, so it helps to bring in your guys to usher in the new era. And while transition classes generally struggle to crack the upper reaches of the recruiting rankings, they're paramount in establishing the program's reformed identity. And as a member of that first class, wide receiver David Nelson remembers the expectations being crystal clear. I have a, a unique perspective in that I, I wasn't necessarily there during the Zook era. But I was there early enough. I mean, I was Urban's first recruiting class. And so I was there as they came in and tried to establish that culture, set the tone. I mean, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think they I mean, they had to let go of, I think, probably 20 to 25 kids uh, that just kind of weren't buying into what they were doing. They just didn't kind of fit into the, the culture that Urban was trying to establish. But it was just one of those things where from the beginning, man, it was that. And I know I hear Coach Mullen talk about all the time, but there's that. Is constantly beating it in your head, just a relentless effort, relentless effort, relentless effort, do your job, competitive effort, competitive advantage. I mean, it was just one of those things where uh, special teams, I mean, they, there was four or five key points, four or five main factors that they believed in that were going to be staples of this program, that were going to be staples of this university. And if you either bought in or you didn't, and it was just from the beginning, they, they were beating it in the heads of players, making sure they understood that this was the way it was going to be. And uh, I, I just remember seeing a lot of the seniors who were there who had been with Zook. And nothing against the, the previous regime. I, I mean, I, I wasn't there, so I can't speak anything against it. But you can just definitely see in their eyes. I mean, just, <laughs> whoa, this is a lot different. This things are, things are getting a little intense. Things are getting ramped up a little bit. And just from the beginning, from the very, very first day, I mean, I just remember just him saying, like, this is going to be a new era. This is going, things, are going to be, things are going to be different. Um, attention to detail. I mean, like I said, competitive advantage. I mean, special teams. The guys in there, a lot of the starters, a lot of the seniors had never, ever been in the special teams room. And sitting in there with the head coach leading the special teams meeting, you could just tell and get a sense that this was a little different. Um, the head coach is, is taking an interest in just, the quote unquote, the smallest part of the game. And it just set a tone to let guys know, like, no part of the game is insignificant. No part of the game is is above or below any other part of it. And so just being able to see that, and, you know, it took a couple of years, it took a year, full year for guys to kind of really understand it and really buy into it. And, uh, but the cool part about it was just the consistency in which Coach Meyer and his staff just continued to, 
to really preach into the players. It was never, okay, well, we're going to try to do this. And then we're going to, if that works, we're going to go over here. It was never that it was from the beginning. This is the way we're going to do it. This is how, if you want to be a champion, if you want to be successful, this is the path you got to take. This is our plan to win. And you either buy in or you don't. And it was just one of those things where some guys did right away and some guys didn't, but it really, um, it really ushered in a, a, a new era into that program. A change in mindset wasn't the only big shift for the program, as Meyer brought with him a whole new offense that had become his calling card, and with that, the architect who helped him build it. Dan Mullen had been with Urban every step of the way in his head coaching career, and now he was Florida's quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. Mullen inherited an incredibly skilled signal caller in Leak, but hardly one that fit the mold for what he wanted to do. Um, well, you know, one of the things about Chris when we got here is Chris loved the game of football and you know, I mean, he, he didn't mind putting in the extra time. He wanted to be a great student of the game. I, I think part of it was he didn't, he didn't always know how to be a student of the game though. And uh, you know, one of the things we spent a lot of time on was making sure, uh, you know, he, he would talk about all the extra time he wants to put in. I'm like, okay, what are we getting out of it? You know, and I think we really worked closely together to help him be, uh, you know, and, and he and I, uh, help make him a better student of the game and understand every aspect of the game and everything that was going on. And, you know, and we grew a lot together in what we're doing as a coach. You know, I, I grew a lot and you looked at Chris and said, boy, he, he has this, I mean, unbelievable skill set. But how do we put him in the best position to be successful? And I really learned a lot about making sure we're asking the quarterback to do what he does best. And for Chris, it was about learning, coming in and learning how to uh, develop himself and maximize himself and, and you know, and, and really learn the intricate details of the game. I think every quarterback at some point during their career uh, want to be in an offense where they feel comfortable and where they feel like it's uh, the offense is built around their strengths. And I, if you took the thoughts today of what offenses are. I was a, I would be cl- classified as an air raid quarterback more, mm. more likely because I my gift was throwing the football, and we pretty much were a under Coach Zook we were a, a spread air raid slash pro style spread type of offense, and the 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 concepts were air raid uh, the run game. Even though we used the fullback at times, it was still a very much an air raid type of passing philosophy that we had during those times. So to go from that to go to a spread option philosophy was tough. It it was tough because it's really tough for me to get comfortable, to feel really, really comfortable in a, in a system that I, that I knew wasn't, wasn't (laughs) built to my strengths exactly. And that, that that was nothing, that was nothing new to anybody. I mean, everybody, Kind of knew I, I came to Florida because I love to throw the football, and that's what we were that's what we were doing under Coach Zuck and the, and the type of plays that we ran. But it, it was a it was, it was definitely an adjustment for me, and the, obviously the coaching style under Coach Meyer and Ben Meyer was was different. And but those are the things that players, you know, from all levels, you have to get used to. You have to get used to change. You have to adapt. You have to improvise, and you have to overcome it. And that's the one thing that. Like I said, my dad prepared me for, and I was, and I was able. Although I never felt all the way 100% comfortable, which is tough to do anyway in any offense and in any in any um scheme. You know, my ability to adapt and improvise during those times, and to try to feel as comfortable as I possibly could for the betterment of my team was one of the things that I strive to do. But it, it was it was because I never really truly felt comfortable 
my entire last two years as quarterback at Florida, I never felt really 100% comfortable within the offense uh, because I knew I knew the offense was different and it was geared towards spread option and where I was an air raid guy. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, you make those adjustments and you have to be able to make those adjustments as a SEC quarterback um, for the betterment of your team. The spread option may have been gaining steam around the country, but it still wasn't nearly as prevalent as it is today. For that reason, the Gators had to be smart about the way they practiced and prepared. And Madison notes that was another key to the machine Urban was creating. There's one thing that people don't ever know, probably, and don't talk about that made Urban the great head coach that he is, is one of the things I definitely said that we had to do is we were a spread team when spread teams were just starting out. And the negative of a spread team can be that your defense can become east and west and not forward like we wanted. We wanted to be an attacking front. And if we played against our offense every day in practice, we'd be running sideways, side to side all the time. And then if you get against a team like you're going to in that schedule that runs downhill with eye backs or as a power running attack that you, you see teams that can adjust to that and can't play that way. Well, urban was so good about it. We talked about it, said, coach, one thing we need to do every day in practice is have 10 minutes of your second team offensive line, not third team, not fourth team, but good players, your second team. And we need to run power running against our defense to make sure our defense can handle that. And Urban said yes, without a doubt. And uh, it was because of what he he agreed to do that our players could play physical and power football. And a lot of teams can't do that when they have a, a, a zone offensive type team or a spread offensive type team. That edge went both ways, with Moen noting the defense's role in shaping the offense on the practice field. Boy, the, the defense on that team was unbelievable. You know, I think one of the things that, that people don't appreciate is, is in that helped the offense was having to practice against that defense every single day in, in, in spring ball. I mean, it was hard to move the ball an inch with the talent that was on that defensive side of the ball. For the defense, it also helped to have not one but two elite minds calling the shots with the duo of Madison and Strong. A combination that sophomore linebacker Brandon Siler says gave them the yin and the yang necessary to speak to every member of the unit. You know, I think this is one of the things that was dynamic about our team. Greg Madison and Charlie Strong are both great coaches, right? But their strengths are different. Charlie is is what you prototypically would think of as a coordinator. Right. He can understand overall schemes and calls and how one offense and one defense matches up against each other. All right. Greg Madison specialized in teaching guys the philosophies, the why behind the the call, the what behind the call. So with Charlie Strong, he was good, you know, for guys that just basically, you know, all you need to know is just, I call this defense, you play that defense. I was a little bit more of uh, uh, intellectual, you know what I'm saying? I was more of an intellectual. I needed to know why, you know? I needed to know how come, you know what I'm saying? So Greg was good at getting that to me, 
to know that. You know, I wanted to know that we played cover two on third and three. Why were we playing cover three, cover two on third and three is because when they drop, we think that they're going to do a quick pass and we got five underneath. And that's what we're defending against because also in cover two, we won short in the box. Well, if they run the ball and get a first down, if you don't understand that the call is to stop a short pass, you're going to get upset. For me, I didn't want to be getting upset for the wrong reasons. I didn't want my defense to be getting upset for the wrong reasons. So I wanted them to understand why we called cover two in that scenario. It was for the pass. And we expected the pass. And when they ran and they got three yards, we said they got us with that call. You get what I'm saying? That makes a big difference in the morality of a drive when your defense and all of the people that are playing on your defense understand the overall scheme, right? They They understand everything about the call and why you called that call and what that call, when you make that call, what's the strengths and the weaknesses of that call. And I think that makes a big difference in a drive. When you have a long drive and offense is converting on third down and they might have converted three or four third downs well three times it was just a call and one time we made a mistake we we can live better out there on the field on that fifth one when we know that as in they just keep getting first down first down first down and then everybody's all frustrated and then now they put us in the right place in the right defense with the right call and because we frustrated we don't make the play that's where I think the intellectual piece of it fit in with the schematic piece of it. And then, you know, it made us great from both sides. Well, Charlie, Charlie was tremendous. And uh, he's really, a, he was a great football coach. He had a, he was, he understood football. He had a great chemistry with the players and he would be able to t- like, there's times when you're doing things, a lot of it's not X's and O's, a lot of it's getting the right players in the right position. And Charlie was really good at seeing what each guy was doing and what he'd be best at. And, uh, you know, it was a great compliment between both of us. Another touchstone that became abundantly clear was that Meyer truly valued the special part of special teams, bringing a focus to an aspect of the game many coaches treat as an afterthought. That forced skilled position players like Nelson to look inward at their own priorities and how they may or may not have been aligned with what this new staff wanted. I think it had far-reaching implications. Uh, just from my own personal experience, I, just to be totally honest, transparent, coming into Florida as a four- or five-star recruit, I, I wanted to catch footballs. I wanted sure. to catch touchdowns. <laughs> I, I wanted to, to make the fans in the stands you know, stand up and cheer and, and do the gator chomp. Like, that's why I came to Florida. And early on as an 18, 19 year old kid who was heavily recruited and had all these people telling him how good he was and uh, having all these options, you know, I didn't want to play special teams. Like, <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? I want to catch passes. And so I think that, you know, that's kind of why it took so long for my career at the University of Florida to take off because Urban, he didn't care who you were. You know, it's some, if you want me to trust you to go into the, to the huddle with a Heisman Trophy winner, if you want me to trust you to go into a huddle with these guys, these warriors, these, these studs, and I got to know that you're going to do it in the small things. You know, I got to know that I can trust you to go to class. I got to know that I can trust you to hit the C gap whenever we're doing pump block. That if it's, if I can't trust you to do the smallest things, then I'm not going to trust you to do the big things. And so it took, like I said, for myself, and it took a lot of other guys a little while to kind of buy into that. But the guys who really understood that and who understood that 
you know what, whatever it takes for this team to win. Uh, I think you saw just, just the far-reaching implications just like in my personal. Like the first game that I played special teams, I ended up having six catches. And, uh, and my, my career just took off from there. It's just crazy how – uh, how Coach Meyer was able just to see how, you know, like I said, punt block, it's, you know, you may play five or six snaps. It's not that big of a deal, but just teaching you that, hey, every part of the game matters. Every snap matters. Every time you put your hand in the dirt, like there's there's far-reaching implications and you can have a major impact on this game just by doing what we're asking you to do. If you do what we ask you to do, then uh, the, the reward will come. The Urban Maya era got off to a solid start, with blowout wins over Wyoming and Louisiana Tech setting the stage for the team's first signature rivalry win under Meyer, a 16-7 defeat of fifth-ranked Tennessee, who Meyer never lost to in his Gator career. Gators first down the Tennessee 18-yard line from the right hash. Win in the game as the running back. Now Chad Jackson comes in motion. Here's Leak on an option play. On an end of round, tosses the ball to Bubba Caldwell to the 20, the 15, the 10, to the 5, to the goal line. He's in! Touchdown! Oh, my! Beautiful deception on misdirection. 18-yard touchdown. It's 6 to nothing. Now this is, and you can tell by the reaction of this crowd, is what they thought they were going to see out of an Urban Meyer team. Looked like a fake inside, option to the left, but a reverse because Tennessee was flying to the ball to the Gator left, their right, with a reverse coming around and caught him absolutely flat-footed on that reverse. Beautiful call. Excellent execution. The first trip away from the Swamp saw Florida put up half a hundred against Kentucky, and a 4-0 September had fans buzzing. But October landed with a thud with road losses to Alabama and LSU putting a damper on the positive vibes. What followed were nail-biting wins against Georgia and Vanderbilt, and then another road trip that proved to be an early defining moment in the eyes of Urban Meyer. Well, year one was an up-and-down year. I look back at the six years we had. Year one was instrumental. We had, obviously, a, a transition of coaching staff, and, you know, the first year was bumpy. Offensively, we really struggled. We made some changes to fit our personnel, and, and we uh, played very poorly at LSU and and, uh, and then lost to South Carolina and Coach Spurrier at South Carolina. To me, that was a turning point. And I remember on the plane ride on the way home, we actually stayed on the tarmac for about 30, 45 minutes and had a team meeting. And that team meeting was one of those uh, either all in or all out. And we actually made some changes that, that day, that evening after the game as far as who, were, who was going to be part of the team and who was not. Chris Leak concurs on the significance of the 30-22 defeat to the Gamecocks, but also offers another key point in the building process where the evolving offense made critical strides. I knew it was a tough loss because we definitely had a chance to get to Atlanta for the FC Championship game if we would have won that game. Um, but I just can remember that, you know, a lot, a lot of guys, yeah, that's the thing about that making that transition is there were a lot, a lot of new faces, guys leaving, guys coming in. And people had to obviously go and make, it, make the best decisions for them and their careers. And the biggest change, in my opinion, uh, and from my perspective as a quarterback from that year was from LSU to Georgia week. And it was the changes that, that I still um, very thankful for Urban and Dan for being able to listen to their players and saying, look, I'm more comfortable with this. I'm not really comfortable with this part of the offense just yet. And the, the changes that we made from LSU and the bye week into Georgia was huge because a lot of people, you can go back and just watch the film. Our offense looked a lot, a lot different. 
from Georgia and on. And it just evolved into more and more and more of what, what you saw, South Carolina game, uh, Vanderbilt game after that, which we started having success. We started having some much more level of comfort. And one of the biggest things about that 2005 year is that we had, we did have a ton of injuries to some dynamic players. And that, that definitely hurt us as well, as far as having um, the right dynamic of the offense to be ready to go at a certain time. But, uh, but yeah, to me, that, that was the turning point. Uh, South Carolina game was, was, uh, it was a tough loss for us. It was on the road. It was very hostile. We had a chance to win at the end and it just didn't happen for us. But the, the biggest change is from coming off a loss at LSU, to going through a bye week where our game planning changed a bunch and we were able to beat a, beat a really, really good Georgia team. Football is a very physical game, but like any team sport, it's also incredibly mental. Meyer's background in psychology played a significant role in the reformation of the program throughout the early part of his tenure. And as Brandon Siler remembers, that groundwork was being laid long before that fateful night on the tarmac. Urban was trying to make everybody buy into everything that he was doing, right? Mm. And you had a little struggle, right? Because you had some people that wanted to do the way that they always wanted to do it. And then you had some people that bought into some things and didn't buy into other things, you know? And it was tough because, you know, you, you had these guys who you had been going to school with and they had their views on something. And then if you wanted to get what you ultimately wanted to get to, then you had to let them guys go, you know, because mm-hmm. it was bigger than just each individual, you know, it was something bigger. And uh, once we did realize that, and it probably was that at that point, if not in that off season at some point, uh, because a lot of guys basically, you know, we understood that it was going to be the gate away. The, the, the way that they talk about it now, it was, it was either going to be that way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And the guys that was in, you know, we preached basically going to the death. I mean, Urban basically would give you this analogy, and, and it was about family. And I bought into this, is that how much do you trust the guy next to you, right? How much do you believe that that guy's going to be given 100% next to you, right? Mm-hmm. He said, if we run, if you and 11 guys run at this wall the hardest that you possibly can, we will knock that wall down and nobody will get hurt doing so. He said, but if one of the 11 has a little bit of doubt that one of you other guys ain't going to go at 100%, he ain't going to go at 100%. And if that one person goes 90% or 75% because he's afraid of breaking his neck because he don't know if everybody else is going to go 100%, and he's going to be the one that makes all of us break our necks because we're going to hit that wall and everybody's going to break your neck. He said, now, grab a hold of the guys that you think, uh, that you trust to run through that wall at 100%. And when we all can grab each other's hand and we all can run through that wall at 100%, then nobody can beat us. While not everyone was necessarily bought in at that level following the South Carolina game, the Gators finished the 05 season on a solid run and clearly moving in the right direction. And more importantly, the same direction. And we went on and had a bye week, and then we beat uh, Florida State 34-7 and then won the Outback Bowl, and that was the change. As I remember, Coach Heater, who was coaching our secondary at the time, looked at me after the Florida State win in the locker room. We had all those big-time commitments from big-time players and just the attitude going into the offseason. He looked at me and said, that was a program win. 
And so going into 2006, we had Chris Leak back. We had Brandon Siler leading the defense. We had a lot of good players that were buying into the way we were doing things. And I didn't expect a, a national title. I thought we'd be pretty good. Watching closely from the wings was athletic director Jeremy Foley, who had won the race to get Meyer the previous December in a derby that many thought would go Notre Dame's way. But Urban was a Gator, and that meant handling the unique pressures of winning big and winning now. Well, I think the stamp, I mean, obviously, you know, the, you know, the whole vibe changed, the whole culture changed, the world ethic changed, you know, and obviously there are a lot of ups and downs. I remember Urban's first year, we went out to you know, LSU, and I think our defense got five interceptions and we still lost. You know, had an incredibly tight game against Georgia that we pulled off. And, you know, went to South Carolina and got beat to South Carolina. I was at school spinning in first year. You know, it was um, incredible, incredible, um, you know, criticism um, of our program at that point in time. And uh, I can remember it was, um, could have been a breaking point, maybe, who knows. But um, I think the stamp got set a couple weeks later when we played FSU here at home and just, you know, ran them out of the swamp. It played incredibly well our last two games and kind of set the tone for the next year, 2006. Leak in the gun, has Deshaun Wynn to his right, Billy Latsko wing back on the right. Here's play action for Leak, dropping to throw and firing it down to the end zone. He's got a touchdown as Dallas Baker is the touchdown maker. Oh, my! It's 26 to nothing. What a beautiful call. Tight man coverage on Dallas Baker on the right. Play action, faking it up into the middle. Dallas Baker went to the post, ran his guy four or five steps into the post, and broke out to the corner. And Chris Leak threw a strike to a wide open Dallas Baker. It's Florida 27 and Florida State nothing on the Gator Football Network. In addition to the work being done within the football locker room, there was also something special brewing on campus in general at that time with basketball having just won a national title and baseball finishing as the runner-up in Omaha. If you listened to our recent mini-series on the back-to-back basketball title teams, you heard a number of stories about how the 4 has kicked it with the football crew. And luckily for us, Siler had some stories as well, especially about Joe Kim Noah. When Joe came in, Joe came in with me and uh, me, Joe, Al, Corey, we all had a good relationship, man. Um, I love those boys. Uh, and... We used to play them um, in basketball every now and then. Um, but, you know, coming off my first year, you know, Joe's first year, you know, he, he pretty much was on the bench, you know. Um, and he got in at the end of games. And I used to go to the student section and hoot and holler. When the games were coming down to the end, I would hoot and holler to get Joe Kim, put Joe in, put Joe, you know, try to get him in. And, uh, you know, he put Joe in and, Joe wasn't great that first year, you know. He they would throw him some balls and, you know, he would miss them or whatever, whatnot. You know, it was kind of like he was trying to grow into his body, you know, um, that first year. But I always seen that he had potential. I knew that he was going to be great. You know, a guy like Al came in just, you know, he was rocking from the beginning, you know. But Joe, I knew was going to be, you know, he was going to take some work. But – I'll never forget, Joe walked up to me one day, and it was after I had that first year where I got SEC Freshman Player of the Year. And Joe said, he was sweaty, sweaty as crap. Like, it just came from practice. He said, B, he said, B, I'm going to be just like you. I'm telling you, bro. I'm going to work my butt off every day, and I'm going to be the best. 
I'm gonna be the best. I'm telling you. And you know, at the time, I was just like, "Yeah, okay, Joe. All right, all right. Well, you go to work. You can do anything. You know what I'm saying?" And he was like, "I'm gonna work everybody, yo. I'm gonna work everybody. I'm gonna be the best." And and boy, right on cue. That next year, <laughs> oh, the first time I seen him throw Joe ball and he catch that thing, turn and dunk it. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Y'all don't let Joe go to work. Y'all in trouble. <laughs> Y'all are in trouble. But it's funny, man, because, you know, you just don't know when you're doing your thing and you're doing what you, you know, what you know to do. You don't know who you inspire. And, you know, Joe, NBA career is like crazy. And Al and Corey, all the same. And you just don't know. And all of our, all of the people that came in, like that whole the campus during those three years, it, it couldn't have been any better. You know, you're going to basketball championships. You're going football championships. I think baseball went to the championship yep. that, you know, one of those years. I mean, it was just like bang, bang, bang. I mean, it was just a great time to be a Gator, and I don't think it happened by accident. Getting back to the gridiron, the Gators put together a 9-3 and three season in 2005 capped by those big wins over Florida State and Iowa in the Outback Bowl. As they moved into the 06 season, there were some big changes on the horizon, especially when it came to incoming personnel that you might have heard of before. But talent can't shine without leadership, and as they began preparing for what ultimately became a very memorable year for the program, David Nelson remembers the voices that resonated the loudest. I think it took the offense a little longer to find their identity than it did the defense with coach strong being there with the, with coach Zook and being there and understanding knowing the players and know uh, having a relationship with a lot of those guys. I think it was a lot easier. I, I don't know if easier is the word I'm looking for, but I think it was a lot more seamless for the defense to be able to, to evolve, to change, to adapt to the new regime because coach strong was still there. He was still that figure that was, was constant from both regimes. Um, so I, like I remember Steve Harris and Ray McDonald and uh, Earl Everett, mm-hmm. guys like that, just on the on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think our team really kind of really rallied around them. I mean, like I said, we weren't winning pretty. Um, I think at that point, still Chris was Chris Leak was still trying to find who he was in that offense and that system. We were kind of figuring out. Okay, well, at that point, two quarterback systems weren't really heard of. They weren't that common, and so trying to figure out what is that how do you get in rhythm whenever you have a quarterback go five plays and you have a freshman come in for a couple plays and you have the quarterback come back in. So it just took a little while to kind of find that groove on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, I give all the credit in the world. I mean, a team only goes as far as it's, as it's quarterback and, and the way Chris handled that whole thing. I mean, you never saw any ego get in the way. You never saw any selfishness uh, that entire off season with Tim, you saw Chris uh, helping him, teaching him, guiding him. There was no, um, there was no jealousy. There was no um, comp- competition in a healthy way. Um, but just him embracing Tim and seeing that he could really help our team and being uh, doing things that way. And you had guys like Dallas Baker and Andre Caldwell and you know guys in the offensive line like Steve Rissler who had been through the, the difficult years um, with the previous regime. And, and I think you just kind of all saw them say, you know what, like our time is – our time is limited. We only have one or two years left. And I think you just saw them just say, we don't want to, we don't want that to be our legacy. And I think they just kind of pulled a lot of the younger guys who 
I mean, like I said, there was a lot of younger, talented guys like Percy Harvin and uh, the Pouncey brothers and a lot of these guys that were just kind of coming in. And it was a new era that was ushering into Florida football. But I think you saw a lot of the seniors just say, hey, you know what? It's going to be y'all's time here in a little bit. But this is still our time. And so we I think a lot of the stuff they went through hardened them a little bit. Um, it developed some character and they were able to kind of show us that, you know what, things aren't always, always flashy. Things aren't always pretty. But sometimes you got to put your hand in the dirt. You got to get a little dirty and you got to you got to wrestle around a little bit. And so I think that that season in 06 really set the tone and the character of the Florida program underneath Urban Meyer that we carried uh, into that 07, 08, and 09 year. On our next episode, we'll travel back to the introduction of Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin, and Brandon Spikes to the program and how they changed the flavor of Florida football in an unforgettable manner. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, giving a special thanks to production assistant Eli Rosen and to all of you for tuning in to this latest installment of Gator Tales, Gator Greats.